Alright, uh, Philippians chapter 3. I want you to look with me at verse number 1. The Bible says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, interesting term, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. Now, literally what he's talking about here, he's not talking about people who are um, sadomasochists and cut themselves. And He's not talking about all that. What he's talking about is people who literally think that spirituality is gained by punishing yourself in the flesh, by abstaining from things, and basically crawling in a hole and never coming out. It's, it's a works salvation idea. So that's what Paul is dealing with. He was constantly dealing with the difference between work salvation and grace through Christ. Okay? So that's what he's talking about. Look at verse number three. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. And then he says, though, I myself have reasons for such confidence. Basically what he says is, we don't trust our ability to do good enough to get to heaven. We have no confidence in our ability to do and live a life that is good enough to get me to heaven. He says, however, if we did, I have some pretty good arguments. Now let me read you what his arguments are. If anyone, latter part of verse 4, if anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Then he begins to list all his good qualities. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. That's like saying spiritually among the Jews, I'm the best of the best. In regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Basically what Paul was saying was, I dare you to find anything about the law that I have not kept. Find any aspect of the Jewish law that I am guilty of disobeying. He says, as far as being legalistic in obedience to the law, he says, I'm faultless. In other words, what he's saying is, I'm a pretty good dude. I mean, you think you're spiritual enough to get to heaven? Well, I'm really spiritual. So if anybody's going to get to heaven because of their spirituality, Paul basically saying it's me. However, he's already said we don't put confidence in our flesh. So all of these things to Paul, he's just telling us what they are. So if you really want to brag about your spirituality, Paul says, I've got a reason to do that. So I'm not telling you that these things won't get you to heaven because if they did, I would never make it. What he's saying is, I'm telling you these things won't get you to heaven because it's what God says. If they did, I've got no reason not to trust them because they'll get me there. In other words, I'm not changing my belief because now I'm, I'm not going to make it. I'm changing it. I'm telling you this because it's the truth. Look what he says in verse 7. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, and I want you to look at verse 8. I consider everything 
a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. If you ever underline in your Bible, I want you to underline the phrase, knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because that's what we're about to talk about. Then he goes on to say, for, the, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Now look at verse 10, because here's another phrase I want you to underline. Underline these first five words. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. And the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of sharing His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attain to the resurrection from the dead. There are three things in this passage that I want us to, to start with as we begin a series that I'm calling Getting Personal with God. You know, the biggest difference between Christianity and every other religion in the world is that Christianity is not about religion. It's about a relationship. It's about a personal relationship with the Creator of the universe. So what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks is getting personal with God. Or, how can I know God personally? So today we're going to start with a few introductory things. Notice in verse 7 that in order for you and I to know God personally, there has to become a turning point in my life where I decide I want to know God. In verse 7, Paul says, But whatever was to my prophet, I now consider lost. Those two little words, I now, give me the idea that there was a time Paul didn't want this. There was a time that he didn't consider all those really good things non-essential. But there was a time in his life when that changed. And by the way, that time is what we commonly refer to as salvation. Next week, we're going to talk about, in order to have a personal relationship with God through Christ, first thing I have to do is i got to believe Jesus. And we're going to talk about believing Him. If you have anybody in, in your life that is a friend, that you wonder if they've ever truly been birthed or born into God's family. Next week in our class, I'm going to give, hopefully, one of the clearest presentations of how you can know you're saved that you will ever hear. Because before you and I can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you've got to be able to answer the question, I know for sure that I'm going to heaven when I die. If you don't know that, if we still have questions about that, if you're still wondering about that, then there's a trust issue. Either that, or there's a doctrinal issue. The trust issue is, I know that Jesus died for me, and I know that I've asked Him into my heart, but I still don't think I'm good enough. Well, then that moves into the doctrinal issue, because you're still trusting what Paul said we shouldn't trust. All those things you do. And the truth of the matter is, if that's what gets us to heaven, then we're wasting our time coming here every Sunday. That book you hold called the Bible, you might as well take it home and burn it. Because it's full of lies. Because that's not what it says. 
My sins are forgiven, and I know I'm going to heaven because of Jesus Christ and because of what He did. And because the day that I invited Him into my life on September the 20th, 1975, as a 15-year-old teenage boy in a boarding school in Central Florida, when I asked Him to come into my life, He literally did that, as we learned this morning in Dr. Carney's message, in the person of the Holy Spirit. He came to live inside of me. And you know what that means? Everywhere I go, He goes with me. Everything I'm involved in, He's right there, and He's got to be involved in it. Everything I think, He knows it. Everything I do, He sees it. Because I invited Him into my life. And that's why Paul says that Holy Spirit, He is the down payment that I, of my home in heaven, of my inheritance. Next week, we're going to talk about how to get that. So, Paul says here, there was a time, I know, that I changed. There was a time I used to trust my works, but now those things I consider as non-essential. Notice the second thing. In verse number 8, he says, What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to something. In other words, what he's saying is, everything that I ever wanted for my life, compared to what I'm about to tell you, I am willing to lose it all so I can get this next thing. What is it? Look at it. I consider everything a loss compared to this. To the surpassing greatness of what? Knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm willing to give up and lose everything I ever wanted so I can have a personal, knowledgeable relationship with Jesus Christ. He's not a religious figure that sits on a statue on my dresser. He's not a symbol represented by a wooden cross nailed on the outside of a building. I want to know the person named Jesus. I want to know Him. And then notice what he says in verse 10 as he just point blank comes out and says it. I want to know Christ. I want to know Him. How do we get to know somebody? Right? If, if you came up to me and you said, Bill, I'd like to get to know you. I'm like, okay, that'd be great. See you later. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. See ya. How do we get to know? Let me write down. Let me give you some things I just wrote down thinking about this. Okay, how do we get to know somebody? Well, first of all, we talk to each other. Okay, I've been married to my wife over 15 years. I know her pretty good. But you know what? We talk all the time. Sometimes I do more talking than I probably ought to. But, but we talk all the time. Okay? Number two, how do you get, you don't just talk to them, you gotta listen. That's a struggle I have, but sometimes you gotta listen. I mean, how am I gonna learn what my wife is like if I don't ever listen to her? You can't do all the talking. Uh, A third thing you do, you spend time together. And that's how we get to know people, right? I've spent 16 plus years with my wife. I can tell you, I don't know everything about her, because I'm constantly finding out things I didn't know. Probably things I should have known, but I, you know, us guys, we don't always pay attention to those things. But, but we spend time together. I've learned things about my wife when not one word was ever said. I just learned because we spend time together and I watch her. I see what happens. 
A fourth way is we experience life together. It's often been said that a person's true character is never revealed until you go through a difficulty together. That's when you see what they're really... Well, you know what that is? That's experiencing life together. That's how you get to know people. Most of you I have never been through a difficulty with. Some of you I have. And you know what? You and I know more about each other than most everybody else in the class knows about us. Because we experienced something together that enhanced our relationship. Well, you know how we get to know Jesus? The same way. We talk to Him. We listen to Him. We spend time with Him. We experience life with Him and watch what He does in the different circumstances of our life. That's why people can go to church all their life and never really know who Jesus is. They know He exists. They know about Him. But the Bible says Satan knows about Him. Satan believes in His existence. But do you know Him? And by the way, when we get to know people, what do we learn about them? Let me write, these are some things. By the way, this is just my brain kind of going haywire. But I started thinking, when you get to know somebody, what do you, what do you learn about them? Well, number one, you learn what they like. And obviously, you also learn what they don't like. Don't you? I know what my wife likes. I also know what she doesn't like. She doesn't like me to snore at night. I have bruises from when she does. Yes. <laughs> so, we, we learn, you know what? If, when we get to know Jesus, we're going to know what He likes. We're also going to learn what He doesn't like. When you get to know somebody, you learn how they respond in circumstances. There are certain things I can do to my wife that I know is going to irritate her and I already know how she's going to respond. Unfortunately, sometimes that's why I do it deliberately. I'm not, you know, I'm not trusting in my flesh here. I, I have faults. But you know what? When we spend life with Jesus and you go through a difficulty with Him, you start to learn how He responds in those difficulties. So next time you go through it, your dependability upon Him is just a little easier. You know why people find it hard to trust God in difficulty? Because they've never done it. Every time they go through difficulty, they go right back to the same fleshly human ways of handling it that they always did. They've never given God a chance to show them what He will do. Another thing we learn about people when we get to know them, we learn their values. We learn what's important to them. I know what's important to my wife. I know the things that make her feel good. I know the things that make her heart happy. We also learn their character, their ethics, their ability to do right. And the more we spend time with Jesus, we learn those things about Him. By the way, does He need to learn those things about us? Of course not. He already knows us. This is not about Him knowing us. This is about us knowing Him. And then, what develops when you develop a relationship with somebody? When I met my wife years ago, I promise you, we didn't have none of these things. We've been married 15 years. We have all these things now. Let me tell you what you develop over time when you are growing a relationship. Number one, you develop trust. You trust each other. You know why some people have a hard time trusting God? Because they've never developed a relationship. They don't know Him. 
They just know about him. I know about a lot of you. But just being honest, there's a lot of things about my life I wouldn't trust you with. Because I don't know you. I just, I don't know you. For all I know, you might have a rap sheet four pages long. I don't know. For all you know, I might have a rap sheet four pages long. You've been sitting here listening to me for years. The truth is, I don't know you. But when you know, I trust my life with my wife. Number two, friendship develops. My wife is my best friend. Do friends ever fight? Yep. Do I ever win? Nope. <laughs> but you develop a friendship. And by the way, that's why our friendship with God is so important. He loves us no matter what we do. He's our friend. The one that sticks closer than a brother. But you develop that friendship with Him when we get to know Him. Number three, there's a loyalty. We become loyal to each other. I was, um, last weekend I was in Nashville with all my brothers at the Music City Bowl. And we were going to all these events together. And for some of you uh, that don't know, my young, one of my younger brothers, Dan Crockett, owns Franklin American Mortgage, who sponsors the Music City Bowl. And so every year he gives all of his brothers VIP passes to all the events around the bowl game. Um, do you like that? Are you kidding? I love it. I get treated like some kind of VIP genius or something. All I got to do is say, I'm Dan Crockett's brother. Right this way, Mr. Crockett. I love it. You know, who are you? I'm Dan Crockett's brother. Okay. Uh, who's Bill Crockett? Forget him. I'm Dan Crockett's brother. But one of the things that happened during that time was people were constantly coming up to us, brothers. Uh, they were constantly coming up to us, and there's five of us, wanting to take our picture together. Because they wanted a picture of all the Crockett boys. And so, one of the things that we do, I mean, we're, we're friends. We love each other. We fight like cats and dogs. There are holes all over my parents' house from growing up where we got mad after we lost a Nerf football or basketball game to a brother. Uh, I'm sure some of my brothers have mental scars, especially my younger ones, where we beat up on them on the football field. However, if you ever threatened one of the Crockett boys... You will confront all five of them. Because there is a loyalty there. We're brothers. The same thing happens with God. He's always going to be loyal to us. I'm talking about us learning to be loyal to Him. When I am confronted with denying Him or confessing Him, if that relationship, if I know Him and I know what He does for me and I walk with Him and we're friends and we have learned to trust each other, then I'm not going to be unfaithful to Him. The reason sometimes we struggle with loyalty is because we just don't know Him well enough. Another thing that's formed is confidence. I, there are things that I can ask my wife to do and I never think about it again. I have confidence it's going to happen. I don't have to worry about it. Same thing with God. When we get to know Him, there are things that we come to Him with and we never worry about it because we know He's going to take care of it. Well, how do I know that? Because of my relationship. Because I know Him personally. We have a friendship that has developed over time. And then finally, there is a love that cannot be broken that is developed when you have this kind of a relationship.
You know, one of the things that is so difficult about Christianity is the challenge of making Christianity personal and real. So let me start here and ask you this question. Do we know God? Think about it. If Jesus walked in the room right now, would he say, they know me? We talk. They study my word. I talk to them through my word. I mean, we, we, we've gone through things together. They've trusted me. And the reality is, nobody benefits and nobody is hurt by the answer to that question but us as an individual. I can tell you all day long, I know God better than anybody and lie through my teeth. And the only person that's going to hurt is me. You know, there's an interesting passage. You remember the story when um, Jesus asked Peter? He said this, Peter, do you love me? And of course, what did Peter say? Of course, Lord, I love you. What did he tell him to do? Then feed my lambs. He asked him again, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Then feed my lambs. Do what I told you to do. Peter, third time, do you love me? Peter's getting frustrated. Lord, you know everything. Why are you asking me this? You already know the You know everything. Of course I love you. Then feed my sheep. But you know, a lot of times, we don't add the tail end of that story onto it. Because right after that, Jesus told Peter how he was going to die. He said, you know, you dressed yourself. Now one day, somebody's going to dress you, they're going to hang you on a cross, and you're going to die for my glory. About that time, John walks up. Interesting, John's the one writing this. It's in John 21. By the way, it's the last incident John writes about before he closes his book. John walks up, and you know what Peter asked Jesus? Hey, Jesus, what about him? What's he going to do? You know, Jesus said, if I want him to stay alive until I come back, what difference does that make to you, Peter? You follow me. This is not about what everybody else is doing. This is not about what my parents did. This is not about what my coworker does. This is not about what the people in this class do. It's about me. If nobody else in the world follows Jesus, and gets to know Him. I still have a responsibility to know Him personally. It's got nothing to do with what my wife does or what my children do. This has got to do with me. And that's what I would challenge all of us with. As we begin 2013, and we go through this series on getting personal with God, I would ask you, 
to begin to answer and think about this question. Do you really know God personally? Or is He just a religious figure that we make motions to and throw prayers up to and, if you'll forgive me using just some common language, try and brown nose so we get what we want? Or is He truly my God and my friend? I will tell you this, you will never fully know the joy of true Christianity until you know Christ. In closing, I want you to take your Bible, turn with me to Second Peter chapter 1. And we'll, we'll stop here. Second Peter chapter 1. I want you to look at verse 2. We all want to be forgiven and we all want God's favor and we all want joy and peace in our life. Well, Peter tells us where it comes from. Second Peter chapter 1, look at verse number 2. Peter says this, Grace and peace be yours in abundance. I can have these two things overflowing in my life, but where does it come from? Look at the next phrase. Through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. You know how all this grace and all this peace comes into my life? When I know God personally through Jesus Christ. Now next week, we're going to start talking about how to know Him. Okay. First of all, can we know Him? We'll answer that question next week. If so, is it really that important? And we're going to look at why it's important for us to have a personal relationship with God. And then finally, we're going to look at how do we know Him personally. And then we're going to start launching into some of the areas where we get to know Him. Which, by the way, if you know Jesus, you know God. Remember what Jesus told His disciples? If you've seen Me... You've seen the Father. I am the visible human representation of the Father. So if you want to know God personally, get to know Jesus. And in order to get to know Him, we're going to spend some time with Him during the months of January and February. We're going to go through His life. And we're going to, we're going to get to know Him. What did He do? What did He do when people didn't like Him? What did He do when people talked bad about Him? What did He do when He was under stress? What did He do when He was worried? How did He treat people? We're going to get to know Him. And hopefully as we get to know Him, then we'll become like Him. Okay, Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You that we have the opportunity through Jesus Christ to know You personally. And it's because of that that I can even talk to You like I'm doing right now. Father, Thank You for loving us, for allowing us to know You. And may these next several weeks change our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen.